0: Hey, welcome back to another episode of The Bible in Life. Thanks once again for joining me each week as we study the scriptures together and uh, learn the Bible so that we can actually follow Jesus. I pray that each week it's encouraging to you and helpful to you as as you grow in your faith. This episode, we are going to wrestle with why it is that we had to die to the law so that we can live for God, live for Christ. We'll get to that in just a second, but before we do, uh, just a couple of little things that I wanted to draw your attention to. One is, you know, there are people that are just hungry to know the Bible, hungry to grow in their walk with God, and obviously learning the scriptures and learning the way of Jesus through the scriptures is one of the most important parts of growing in your faith. Um, And at the same time, podcasts are one of the fastest growing online digital mediums Um, currently at the present time. uh, More than 90 million people say they listen to at least one podcast a month, and that study is actually about six, seven, eight months old, so it's probably more than that by now. Um, And so podcasts are a great way to help people learn the Bible and grow in their faith. You know that. That's why you're here, right? Um, And yet one of the struggles with podcasts is they are not super searchable. They're not as easy to find, say, as a YouTube video or some of that. YouTube is the second largest search engine on the internet. Podcasts are a little harder to find. So you could help uh, others grow in their faith and grow in their knowledge of God by sharing podcasts, whether this podcast or others. And so, man, it would be a huge benefit to me, but also a benefit to other people who are just hungry to learn the word if if you would just uh, share this podcast as often as you can, share it on your social media pages, share it word of mouth, share it with friends, um, share it in your Instagram stories. Uh, if there's a quote or a particular episode that's helpful and you're on Twitter, tweet that out. Whatever you can do just to share the podcast, that would be great so that more and more people could uh, learn about the Bible and Life podcast and it could be more encouraging to strengthening their faith, helpful to their faith. So that would be awesome. Another thing you could do along with that is if you just go on iTunes and rate and review the Bible in life and leave a little review, leave a rating, uh, that at least lets iTunes know that there are people who are listening, like this show, so that they begin to promote it a little bit more, which will help more people find it as well. So um it would be awesome, you know, if by the end of this year we could we could hit about a 1,000 downloads a week on the Bible and Life. That would be significant growth for the show, and it would mean a 1,000 people a week being strengthened in their faith, being encouraged through the Bible and Life. So if you're of a mind to do that, that would be awesome if you would just uh, help out me and help out others that way. So share the show. Uh, another little update that I wanted to let you know of is a project that's been sort of on the back burner and in my mind for a long time that I'm really excited about and just about ready to begin the, to lay the groundwork for is creating a a listener's commentary to the New Testament Um, that I want to model after sort of the same format as this podcast, 20-minute chunks. I want to basically create an entire commentary on the New Testament that's an audio commentary so that you could listen to a commentary rather than have to read a commentary and I'll walk you through verse by verse, chunk by chunk, through various books of the Bible. I'm going to start with the book of Philippians and just try to work through some of the letters of Paul that I've taught a lot, got a lot of material on already, and that are small enough that I could get a bunch of those done fairly quickly. So, Lord willing, I will have maybe 5 of the New Testament books done by the end of the year if I can get the time to do it and all goes smoothly, all right? So big project. I would appreciate your prayers for that. Keep your eye out for that. I've actually purchased a URL where i will make it easy to find it, listenerscommentary.com. So I'll let you know more as I begin to get things built out and begin to get books recorded. I want to make that super accessible and super affordable, so have to charge for a little bit because it's such a massive project, but I still want to make it as accessible and affordable as possible and as useful as possible to you for your own spiritual growth, to you as you teach and train and equip others. If you're a minister or a missionary or a small group lead or anything like that, I just think this this resource could be super helpful to you uh, to understand the Bible. So really excited about that project. It's going to be a a massive project and take me a lot of time and a lot of work. But um, Lord willing, I'll start recording the book of Philippians this week and and maybe in a week or two have that done. And I want to try to get several books done before I totally release that so there's enough content there to be helpful. So be watching for that Listen, uh, listener's commentary on the New Testament. Okay, that's a lot of little updates. and um, But let's jump in. We are in the Book of Romans. We've been walking through Romans 6, 7, and 8. and um, And the reason we've been doing that is this section is just sometimes overlooked Uh, And it's so important to understanding, really, our salvation, understanding the freedom we have in Christ, understanding who we are in Christ, that uh, to be in Christ doesn't just mean our sins are forgiven, we've got our ticket to heaven, and uh, we're just waiting to go there when we die. To be in Christ also means we've been set free from the power of sin and now we can live a brand new kind of life and that God is intending to form a brand new humanity uh, among whom he can dwell and through whom he can flesh out his wisdom and his beauty and his goodness into the world. And so that's our role as God's people is we are in partnership with him to flesh out his, his wisdom and his character into the world and really to draw people back into him so that they can express their worship to him. So that's our job and he has freed us from the power of sin so that we can more effectively do that to truly be a people for his glory, a people for his name. Romans 6, 7, and 8 really flushes that out for us and how, how he does that. So we've, we've finished chapter 6 in our last episode and unfortunately when the chapter divisions were put in, which they weren't put in by the Apostle Paul, the writers of the New Testament. They were put in later after the New Testament was written, just as a guide to it. Unfortunately, the chapter break at chapter 7 is a little bit of a problem because we're right in the middle of a thought, and you lose that if you just read by chapters. And And so um, we started to answer the second major question of these, these three chapters uh, in our last episode, with the first paragraph of the answer. But chapter 7, 1 through 6 is the second part of that answer. And so we've got to make sure we hear the flow of thought if we're going to actually understand what Paul is saying in this section. So recall that the question that we are, we are now on that Paul is answering in this section of Romans is this. 615 says, What then shall we sin because we're not under law but under grace? And Paul's answer is, May it never be. And now he's going to explain why. And so we got the first part of the explanation in last week's episode in in six sixteen through twenty-three. Well, seven one through six is the second part of his answer to that question. So why is it that we shouldn't sin because we're no longer under the law but under grace? And chapter 7 begins to really zero in on how the law was a problem for our faithfulness to God. And so chapter 7 has a lot about the Old Testament law and it, it has a lot about Paul's um, new understanding of the law, now that he's a Christian, looking back at the law and looking back at how the law was supposed to be used, looking at how the law has been misused by the Jews, he wants to put the law in its proper place, and part of that is is that the law was not capable of freeing people from sin, and so chapter 7 is going to have a, an awful lot about that, and um, and all of this really is a byproduct of the fact that this whole section springboards out of the end of chapter 5. Just hang with me. we got to get the context, right? As we're reading scripture, context is king. So the end of chapter 5, listen to what Paul says. Romans 5.20, Paul writes, the law, the Old Testament law, came in, came onto the scene of history so that transgression would increase. Part of the law's job was to make transgression increase. And transgression is a very specific word there, meaning specifically crossing a boundary. There was sin before the law, but it hadn't been enunciated as clearly as the law did. So the law named the boundaries, and now we could step outside those boundaries, and hence transgression increased. And that was one of the functions of the law, was to point out and enunciate transgression. So the law came in that transgression might increase, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life. That's the setup at the end of chapter 5 for all of Romans 6, 7, and 8. And so he has to explain what he means by um, the law being complicit in this and how being set free from the law leads not to further sinning, but further righteousness because the law was actually somehow an accomplice to sin itself. And so, We have to die to the law in order to actually live for God. All right, with all of that then as the setup, let's jump into Romans 7, 1 through 6, the specific text uh, that uh, we're on in this episode. And um, by way of overview, this paragraph has two parts. Uh, 7, 1 through 3 is... um, is like the analogy. It's the illustration. And 7, 4 through 6 is the point he makes from this illustration. So the first three verses, the illustration is marriage. And the point he's going to make about that illustration is is that um, you're married to somebody as long as they're alive. When they die, you're free to marry somebody else. Okay, let's read it. Romans 7, 1 through 3 says, or, notice that, or, which means it's connected to the preceding thought, which is why the chapter breaks. Unfortunate. We're right in the middle of a thought. We're starting with an or, but that's what happens. So, or don't you know, brothers and sisters, from speaking to those who know the law, that the law has jurisdiction over a person as long as he lives? For the married woman is bound by law to her husband while he is living. But if her husband dies, she's released from that law concerning her husband. So then, if while her husband is living, she's joined to another man, she'll be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she's free from the law so that she is not an adulteress, even if she's joined to another man. So, when her husband dies, she's free to remarry, and she's not going to be an adulteress. The, the death leads to the freedom to be joined to somebody else. All right. Now, that's the illustration 4 through 6 is the point he's going to make from that illustration. And the point is specifically about why it is that we we are free from the law, and at the same time, that leads us not to more sinning, but actually more righteousness. Listen to what he says. Therefore, 7-4, Therefore, my brothers, you also were made to die to the law through the body of Christ. So that you might be joined to another, that is to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. So notice what Paul just said: that by virtue of the body of Christ, uh, presumably meaning through the death of Christ on the cross, um, he says you were made to die to the law. He's already talked in chapter 6 about us being dead to sin, 6, 1 through 11. But now we've also died to the law, the Old Testament law specifically, through the body of Christ. Why? What's the result of that or the purpose of us dying to the Old Testament law? Well, he says there in verse 4, so that you might be joined to another. All right, we're now, um, because of the body of Christ, we are released from the law so that we could be joined to another, specifically to Christ himself, to him who was raised from the dead. And so now um, Jesus has replaced the law as that which we are united to, joined to in relationship to God. And so we are no longer under the law, but we are in Christ, And those are like two two modes of operating in Paul's thinking, under the law or in Christ. Well, we have been released from the law so that we could be in Christ, be joined to him, with the further result that we might bear fruit for God. Um, And this is really, really important to understand that in Paul's thinking, uh, we had to be released from the law, we had to die to the law so that we could actually bear fruit for God. Why is that? Well, he's going to go on and explain that in verse 5. So listen to what he says. He says, For while we were in the flesh. That phrase, you need to pay attention to that phrase. So much could be said about that. and We only have a little bit of time right now. But notice what he says. While we were in the flesh. That phrase makes it clear that Paul doesn't think we're in the flesh anymore. And it helps us understand that he's using flesh, not in reference purely to the physical self, because obviously we're still in that, and not in reference to the sinful nature. I think the NIV's translation is incredibly misleading by translating the word sark's flesh as sinful nature, because it makes it sound like you have a sinful nature, and you have a spiritual nature, and they're at war within you. Paul did not believe that. Um, Paul says, when we were in the flesh, and what he he says here, he'll say again in Romans chapter 8, we'll see it in a few weeks, and he says in Galatians that you're either in the flesh or you're in the spirit, but you're not in both at the same time. It's sort of like being pregnant. You can't be a little pregnant, you know, or I'm a little pregnant, a little not pregnant. You either are or you aren't. And it's the same with the flesh and the spirit. You're either in the flesh or you're in the spirit. And, and so those who have moved into Christ are no longer in the flesh. The flesh there in that context referring to fallen humanity, humanity in its fallenness Um, roughly almost parallel to the way John uses the word world in 1 John, right? Like the world system and its fallenness and its weakness and its common sense and its apart-from-God way of doing life. When we were in the flesh, before we became Christians, he goes on and he says, "...the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in the members of our body to bear fruit for death." So notice this, that the law somehow stirred up sinful passions. It it didn't free us from them. It stirred them up. Paul will have more to say about that, but I think we all kind of know how this works, right? You tell a child no, and it makes them want to do it more. Um, there's something within us that when there is a boundary enunciated, man, there's a little rebellious streak in us, and we want to cross that boundary. I always think of... Um, the block on which I grew up when I was a child, and there was a fellow who lived on the corner, I only knew him as uh, Mr. Bach, right? And that was um, was his house, and he had this perfectly manicured lawn. It was a beautiful lawn. Um, and we kids would ride our bikes all over the neighborhoods, and he didn't want any of us kids walking on his lawn, touching his lawn, right? But on the very corner of the block, on the very corner of his his lawn, there was a groove right through his lawn where we cut the corner all the time with our bikes. Why? Because Mr. Bach made it clear he didn't want us riding on his lawn. So we didn't ride very much on his lawn, but we cut off about eight or nine inches of his lawn with our little bicycles and made this nice little pathway right through his lawn. And that's Paul's point here, is that the law, the Old Testament law, stirred up sinful passions Um, And those sinful passions were at work in the parts of our body so that we would bear fruit for death, not for life. Um, But, he says in verse 6, now we have been released from the law, having died to that which we were bound. So, by virtue of the death of Jesus, we were able to, with Jesus, die to the law as well, be released from the law so that we could serve in the newness of the spirit not in the oldness of the flesh not in the oldness of the law in the newness of God's very own spirit and not in the oldness of the letter so the spirit replaces the law as the way God governs his people now under the old covenant during that time period God managed and governed his people through the torah through the law but now We have died to the law because we've moved on in salvation history. We've moved to a new period by virtue of the coming of Jesus the Messiah, and now God governs his people through the Spirit, by the Spirit, and the Spirit enables us to actually bear fruit for God, bear fruit for life. And Man, there's so much we could say about this, but just know this, that Paul will explain some of this in the next paragraph, that the law somehow was co-opted by sin and the flesh so that now sin and the flesh used the law for its advantage and the law was not able to achieve the, the goal for which it was given. It couldn't make people become fully righteous it couldn't make people free from the power of sin why because at, at during that time period the law was working with people who were in the flesh and people who were in the flesh didn't have the capacity to obey the law to the same degree that people who are no longer in the flesh but in the spirit and so now that by that Jesus has uh, rose, risen from the dead and the spirit has been poured out and we've moved to a new period now now there's a, a new ability to actually please God by virtue of his spirit. There, those of us who are in Christ and who are full of the spirit have a new capacity for godly living, for holy living, that people prior to the coming of Jesus and the spirit, they didn't have because they were still in the flesh. They All they had was the the, the strength of fallen humanity, and it wasn't enough. enough. So the law barked out orders, to fallen human people, and and those were they were good orders. They were good instructions. They were wise words. Right. It it described um, some good godly ways of acting. Love your neighbor as yourself. Right. Don't covet. Good godly ways of acting. But it was it was barking out those orders, giving out those orders to people who were in the flesh. But now in Christ through the Spirit, we're no longer in the flesh. And therefore, we can obey God in a way that uh, we couldn't before. And we don't do that through the law. We do it through the newness of the Spirit. Dallas Willard once remarked that the law forever set the course of righteousness, but it wasn't the source of righteousness. It couldn't make people righteous. And so God now is doing that by means of his Spirit um, because it has set us free from the power of sin from the fallenness of our flesh, and we now have new power to live a new kind of life. And what Paul is going to do in the ensuing paragraphs of uh, these chapters is he's going to help us understand how that worked, how it is that the law was uh, co-opted by sin and death, and how the Spirit sets us free from that so that we can now bear fruit for God. So everything that follows is really an amplification of these last few verses of this paragraph here, where Paul is saying that we died to the law so that we could bear fruit for God by virtue of the newness of the Spirit. So I don't want to steal Paul's thunder by getting ahead of ourselves and and explaining some of this, because he'll do some of that for us. So to wrap this episode up, let me just say this, um, that Um, this change is massive and significant. And though C.S. Lewis doesn't use the language exactly of flesh and spirit, he's really describing the same reality in a section in Mere Christianity where he's talking about the difference between natural life, what he calls bios, and spiritual life, what he calls zoe. So he's using two different Greek words uh, to describe this reality. And so he says this, he says, The spiritual life which is in God from all eternity and which was made... Uh, which made the whole natural universe, is Zoe. Bios, by which he means ordinary, merely human, decaying kind of life, has, to be sure, a certain shadowy, symbolic resemblance to Zoe, but only the sort of resemblance there is between a photo and a place, or a statue and a man. Now listen to this. He says, a man who changed from having Bios to Zoe, meaning going from purely natural life to new life, spiritual life, a man who changed from having Bios to having Zoe would have gone through as big of a change as a statue which changed from being carved stone to being a real man. And that's what Paul believes. Paul believes that by virtue of the resurrection of Jesus and the the pouring out of the spirit, when people move out of the flesh and into the spirit, um, they move out from under the law and into Christ and are filled with the spirit when that happens it's as massive and as big of a change as um, a statue going from being carved stone to being a living person. That's what happened to you when you became a Christian. The change that happened in your nature was so fundamental, and so massive, that Paul could describe you as no longer being in the flesh. You're no longer the same kind of fallen human as somebody who's outside of Jesus in this world. You're no longer incapable of bearing fruit uh, for God because now the Spirit is in you and you have new life and thus you are now capable of actually bearing fruit for God and bearing fruit for life. And Paul will explain more how all that works in the ensuing paragraphs, but right now I just want you to know how big of a change that is and what Paul is really getting at. And that's why he believes that those of us who are in Christ, we are free from the power of sin. And we are free to live a genuinely godly life because God has poured his life into us by virtue of his spirit. And so that gives us new power, new capacity to live a new kind of way, a kind of way that displays God's wisdom and goodness back into the world through our families, through the way we interact with our co-workers, through the way we treat our neighbors. We have a new power to bear fruit for God, to bear fruit for life, to bear the fruit of eternal life into our sphere of influence. Because God has set us free from the power of sin. He set us free from the law by virtue of the death of Christ. And he set us free from the flesh. And he's filled us with his spirit. And so that freedom leads to a new kind of living. And that's a big deal. So as you go about your week this week, may you be mindful of the fact of this change that has happened in you. That you're a new creation in Christ. You have new life in you. And may you You live with great gratitude, thanking God. God, thank you for your spirit. Thank you for freeing me from uh, sin, the flesh, and death. Thank you that I can now bear fruit for you. May my life reflect your wisdom and your goodness wherever I go. May you live with that kind of gratitude and that kind of prayer this week and every week as you seek to live out the new life you've been given by virtue of God through his spirit hey thanks again for joining me on the Bible in life this week and every week I appreciate you so much and remember that this is a listener supported show and the only reason I'm able to do this is uh, by virtue of the generosity of of God's people and those who are supporting the show however they can and so uh, certainly support the show through prayer pray for this pray for God to expand the reach of the Bible in life and pray for his blessing on Uh, each of these episodes that they may fulfill his purposes in this world and in the people and if you're able to to support the show um, generously financially that would be wonderful you can do that by becoming a patron of the Bible and Life through my Patreon page I'll have that link in the notes down below or you could support the show through donating through World Family Mission they uh, are a sponsoring organization for independent ministries and um, mission works like this and so um, all donations given through World Family Mission are tax deductible. I'll have that link down in the notes below as well. So, Once again, thanks for joining me on this episode of The Bible and Life. God bless you guys, and let's talk again soon.